What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I am joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are you doing, buddy? Happy holidays. Hi, friends. Happy holidays to you, too. Yeah. Uh, last night last night was actually my the the first of several holiday celebrations as uh now now that i'm married i have to do like uh, the holidays all over the place with the in-laws and my family so you, hard oh, you know what i'm doing on christmas eve wait what i am going to cooperstown to the baseball hall of fame oh i did know this you know you, my my, you, my wife just been... really really wanted to go and you know you yeah. got a happy wife happy life she she wanted to see old baseball stuff so i gotta yeah, you know, gotta appease the wife. God, it's really convenient, though, isn't it? It's so convenient that so she convenient. loves baseball so because she she doesn't care. But uh, she is she is humoring me and letting me go to the baseball hall of fame on uh, effectively a holiday. So she is a saint, True. basically. It was very very nice of her. I mean, you have an aunt that lives in that area, right? So you got a place to stay and everything. Yeah, yeah. My aunt is uh, just outside of Cooperstown, which is why we're going to be up there in the first place. And I was like, hey. Hey, While we're the there, way, can we take a quick you little You know what detour? else is there? Yeah, that's dope, man. Uh, yeah, uh, I think the only closest thing that I've had to like quote unquote holiday plans so far has been I was showing Schwebzy the photos before the podcast started. There's, my parents are out like they're just at like Costco and they're like trying to figure out things to buy me for Christmas because I'm a very difficult person to buy gifts for usually. <laughs> and they were sending me photos of pieces of clothing and it was my dad sending the photos and he didn't even bother really focusing the camera before taking some of these photos of shirts that he was trying to send me. Uh, that was, that wasn't out of focus. It was just a blurry sweater. Oh yeah. It's just a blurry sweater that, that they're really in this year for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the closest thing I have. I'm probably going to just like visit my family, everything like that, the usual stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, other things that are going on right now, on right now though, is that we both recently saw Spider-Man Far From Home. Or, or oh sorry, no, God, it was no so way good. home. No way home. Excuse me. No way home. Um, Shrubsy, spoiler free. Let's keep it spoiler free for anyone that is also a Marvel fan uh, and has not seen it yet. But what did you think of No Way Home? Uh, I didn't uh so i i saw the movie with a couple of pitcherless colleagues uh dave chairman and nicholas peter pollock and um wait wait I, at pitcherless at pitcherless of pitcherless dang and wow. honestly i didn't pay too much attention to the movie because i was too busy trying to hold nick's hand but uh yeah so it, it was really uh no the, the movie was fantastic like absolutely unreal it's like I, I just cannot possibly imagine just juggling so many balls and just landing it at the end. It, it's just unreal. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I don't want to spoil things. I don't I, I don't want to say too much. Yeah, we're going to keep it spoiler free. There's just a lot of fan service that was really, really satisfying in the movie. Lots of just really fun appearances from like people like there's there's folks that we've already seen that have been in the preview. So you, like Willem Dafoe playing uh green uh, goblin again was just so fantastic good. norman osborne and then obviously alfred molina coming back as doc ock otto octavius was fantastic as well uh jamie fox's electro they were all really 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 good <laughs> so uh yeah i can't complain on any front there it was just really really enjoyable and fun i actually walked from my i walked in freezing temperatures like 35 minutes to the theater because my car currently has a dead battery <laughs> uh to go see it and it was worth every step so definitely i actually a marvel fan or if you're not even like it's just super good i traveled like two hours to and from the movie because i i live in like central new jersey and i was seeing the movie with nick in 
Manhattan. So yeah, I, it's a trek. Yeah, it was a trek and uh, totally worth it. No, no regrets. Also stopped at Insomnia Cookies on the way home, which uh, further made the trip worth it. You gotta, yeah, you gotta make the trip worth it in some regard too. Like the movie, obviously great, but yeah, getting a nice little treat on the way home is nice too. Uh, other entertainment, I guess, well, somewhat entertainment, uh, announced by uh, Uncle Steve on Twitter. We have now found out that for you, Schwebzy, the Mets have a new manager in Buck Showalter. Uh, how are you feeling about that overall? Uh, I, I, I think at the end of the day i feel ambivalent and i need to actually so i don't know much about buck showalter i i know it's it's easy to feel like you know about somebody because you read all of the takes about them on twitter so like in my head i have this image of buck showalter as this analytics hating dinosaur because people like watched him on mlb network and don't like him because of that yeah but I don't have my own opinion of Buck Showalter, so I'm going to reserve judgment until I've actually like listened to him talk some more because I don't I don't watch MLB Network, uh, so I, I I need to form my own opinion. Um, I'm happy we finally have a manager. Yeah, um, it's nice not to have to just like wait and like hear more of the just rumors flying around all willy nilly of like oh who do you think it's going to be and like just like completely unfounded reports and like uh tips that are coming into certain folks in media and like trying to fit like just figure all that stuff out it's nice that there's some at least from my perspective if i was a fan of a team that was looking for a general manager that was as uh in the spotlight as the mets and in that big of a market i would rather just have it done sooner rather than later you know one one thing that did really make me happy was that adam jones uh former Baltimore Oriole Adam Jones vouched hard for Buck Showalter and I feel like if any former player vouches for a manager like Adam Jones is one of the guys that I would really you know like uh, lend their opinion some extra weight because I, I do really like Adam Jones uh, other, other than his contract dispute with the Orioles he's kind of known as a really good baseball dude like good good clubhouse dude yes so i percent i i like that adam jones vouched for him for sure yeah i mean i i would remain hopeful i think that just because someone espoused even if he was like kind of like this old head baseball guy who doesn't really care for quote-unquote analytics that much he's gonna be managing people more so and that's not necessarily gonna be his bag anyways because like it isn't like I've kind of, kind of come to realize this is like with managers, like if they understand the analytics that helps a little bit, but at the same time, that's not what they're there to do. They're there to manage the people every day. Right. And by all accounts, he is fantastic at that. Yeah. And a lot of the, yeah, people, I know that a lot of Baltimore Orioles fans too on Twitter that I've seen have vouched for him and liked him when he was the manager of the Orioles as well. So, I mean, I have high hopes and I hope that and- it's a little less, uh, tenuous than it was. And, the last year for you Schwebzy, as well, a Mets fan and I hope that things go well not too well the, obviously but the the one thing that everyone likes to harp on with Buck Showalter's previous tenure as a manager is that he left Zach Britton on the bench uh, in, in the bullpen in a really important situation and yeah you know may may have cost the, them the season that year yes but I think in the Mets like managing the Mets that could be a good thing I, I, I see leaving Edwin Diaz 
our best reliever in the bullpen as as a, a good thing sometimes. So that's yeah. I, I feel like this could be a great marriage. For those of you that also follow Shubsy on Twitter, you know that he's recycling Twitter material. On the uh, I absolutely am. <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we, need, we need to squeeze that thing for as much juice as we can get out Look, of it, baby. Look, it got like six likes. Only so many people saw that. I can recycle it. <laughs> oh, sorry man. if you're one of those six people. Sorry for the repeat. It's fine. No, it's all right. No, I, well, I, five I, people because Jordan's one of them. So that's actually that's true. I am one of them. <laughs> oh man, uh, Shrubsy, let's move on to like the meat of this episode do, do you want to do the mailbag questions first or should we do our uh, little 12 days of holiday late round picks yeah let's let's do the uh, let's do the mailbag first cool let's do some mailbag questions so this first one is going to be from taylor case at t cases loaded on twitter uh he's also a writer and podcaster over at the dynasty guru and a fellow a fellow coffee nerd just like me which is really well, really cool if someone wants to get a mailbag question on the next episode Oh, yeah, I completely skipped over this part. Let me let me circle back. OK, so our mailbag, we do have a pinned tweet on our Twitter account that's in the deep PL on Twitter. Uh, you can go in there and there's a link to a Google form that you can submit your questions to. You can also submit any mailbag questions to our podcast email, which is in the deep PL at Gmail dot com. Or if you want, just tweet at us. Uh, you can tweet at the podcast account or you can tweet at one of us individually. Again, mine is Bunt Singles and then Schwebzies is S.H.W.E.B.S.I the name uh but yeah uh hit the first question yeah it you the first question <laughs> the first question comes from uh taylor case once again over at dynasty guru thank you taylor for submitting this and he asks who are the two players you need to have on your roster in a dynasty startup right now the ones you're jumping a few rounds to assure they're on your squad and he's curious about both major league and minor league baseball players uh shrubsy do you want to go first yeah, yeah, we can go back and forth here. Cool. So uh, the first player that I wanted to call out was Joe Adele. Because it wasn't long ago that Joe Adele was like, I, 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 and I guess this qualifies as a major league player because he's no longer rookie eligible. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that Joe Adele was a top three prospect pretty much you know, universally on, on any mm-hmm. list you could find. And... His production in the major leagues has been kind of underwhelming so far. Not he has not been great, but going just going from his first year to his second year to 2021, he's made huge strides. Like he's made huge improvements against both fastballs and breaking balls, and he cut his whiff rate by like huge amounts against every pitch type and when he struck out like 40% of the time in his first exposure to the major leagues, that was kind of what everyone harped on. Like, uh, it was like, Oh my God, he can't make contact. He made big gains. And for those of you who might be more traditional types, he looks like he's an RBI machine. Like he had 26 RBIs in like a quarter of a season. So we're talking a hundred plus RBI pace. He's got huge power. He's got 99th percentile sprint speed. Although he's not, uh, he, he doesn't seem to be too aggressive of a base runner. He looks like a guy who could hit for huge power with enough speed to chip in, you know, 10 plus stolen bases. So I, I love, the, I, I think this might be like the last opportunity to get Joe Adele at a reasonably cheap uh, dynasty price. Yeah, I dig that one. I mean, he, this is definitely like the buy low, right? 
like yeah. the post hype again he's getting to that point where he is like the quote-unquote post hype prospect uh and again like limited action really he only has like what like 250 plate appearances total yep in the majors so yeah there's definitely still a lot to like in his profile and i think that with this price drop i would be willing to buy in too so i like shrubsy pointing this one out also something that i just want to say here is like, i've noticed that Schwebzy and I have kind of found our lanes and like I feel like I'm leaning more into like talking about pitchers and Schwebzy talks more about hitters. So you'll notice that a lot of my or almost all of my picks are going to be pitchers and I think all of Schwebzy's are hitters. Right? Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So uh we got a nice even spread here for you. So uh my first one, I'm out obviously it's not gonna take me very long to talk, but I'm just gonna touch on it very, very briefly. Uh, Aaron Ashby is one that's naturally for me going to be someone that I'm reaching for uh, earlier than most people just because I need to have him on all my squads. He's the guy that I bought into the most. Um, I've I, waxed, I'm unfamiliar. I'm yeah. unfamiliar with Aaron Ashby. Well, let me tell you, there's a good article coming out sometime this week over on Baseball Prospectus that I wrote. Uh, it'll be my first byline over there, which is really, really cool on Ashby. And I kind of deep dive into his uh, repertoire and everything like that to see where he thrives and where he could possibly improve and kind of like move up that next level. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I really like Ashby, but another person that made his debut last year, another pitcher uh, from the Midwest, just the state over for the twins uh, is Joe Ryan that I like a lot. And he has jumped up draft boards pretty, pretty high from what I've seen. Um, yeah. His ADP I, is way higher than I would have expected. Yeah. So in terms of a dynasty startup, I think that I would really like to have him too. And it's like, he, again, he's not like a flamethrower by any means, but his fastball has like a, just like a really absurd shape to it. And he gets a really, really high amount of called strikes just across the board. And we all know that called strikes are not the most consistent thing in the world. Um, and it's hard to look into them too much as like a measure of success. Um, but something that might satiate some of that worry would be a, an article that Jesse Roche over at Baseball Prospectus wrote where he introduces an adjusted called strikes plus metric, which basically just like every other quote unquote plus metric in the majors, it's measured as 100 is league average. And Joe Ryan is like a 140 to 150 rank in that regard. Um, he's like absurdly high. So, I mean, he's able to get called strikes and counts that you would not expect them. Um. So just because of that and like really, really good command doesn't give up a ton of free passes. He just has really good control and command of his arsenal. I really, really like Joe Ryan a lot. So he's one of my big picks for yeah, sure like in terms of we, reaching we try for someone. so hard to quantify pitching, but it's one of those things where like sometimes someone has an undefinable something and Joe Ryan's like just funky arm angle and fastball spin just gives him a really unique fastball and everything works off of that. Yeah, it's just I think a lot of it for him is the spin efficiency that he has on his fastballs, like one of the best in the league. And he's very, very good at putting it right at the top of the zone where it can thrive the most. And he doesn't really throw it in places that it can get punished very often, which is why he's so good with it. Um, but there's a lot. I mean, again, like you look at it just on the surface, if you're just watching a game live, you can't see those spin rate numbers. You can't you just see like the miles per hour and he's throwing it like 91, maybe 92. And that doesn't seem super overpowering, but just because of how little it actually like quote unquote breaks, like how much, how much rise it has on it. Um, yeah. Watch some of his starts. 
watch some of his pitching appearances from last year and you'll see a lot of like why didn't they swing at that or how did they miss that yeah and yeah exactly um so yeah that's uh that's another person that i'm reaching for uh Schwebzy. uh you've got alejandro kirk next yeah i mean th- this is well trodden ground at this point uh alejandro kirk if we knew that he was going to get full-time plate appearances next year he would not the, the buy low opportunity would not be there the reason that we still have this opportunity is because uh danny jansen is there uh reese mcguire is there and gabriel moreno has kind of passed kirk up in in catcher prospect rankings so the opportunity might not be there but we're talking dynasty here so i love the idea of get uh, acquiring kirk and waiting for the trade wait, waiting for the opportunity because a bat like his is just it, it's not going to be held down forever he, the, the opportunity is going to arise somewhere especially with you know probably 15 new dh openings uh opening up next year that can only help kirk uh you know land a lineup spot somewhere whether it be trade or or, or in <laughs> I, I i just think that it's not going to be long before Kirk has an everyday role because the bat deserves it. Uh, there's been talk this year of a Marlins Blue Jays trade of a uh, pitching for a catcher because yep. the, the uh, Jorge Alfaro experiment at catcher seems to be ending. So I, I, I call it an experiment. He was a catcher, but they, they seem to be moving him off that role. So uh, there's been talk of uh, trading Kirk over to Miami, which would be a, a, a great boon for his opportunity, although uh, it's, it's not a great ballpark. But I would love to see that. I just I just want to see the guy get plate appearances. But uh, yeah, I, I love uh, having Kirk as a long term asset. Yeah, I would agree. And I would lo- again, I would just like you said, I would love to see him have like a season where he just has like a meaningful sample size. Right that we can draw from and actually get more insight on because we know that there is something there at least and he hasn't had the extended run that he honestly i feel like he deserves at this point to see if he can find success at uh, the major league level so fingers he's, crossed he's that he can actually get it baby he is he's he really really he's is in terms of, yeah so um all right and then my last because we're going to do major league and minor league players here so this is my last major league player i believe that was Shrubsy's last. Uh, mm-hmm. major league player yes so my other major league player is michael kopech it feels like literally everyone knows like how good he could be like he finished with like a 3-5 era this past year which isn't crazy crazy good but it's pretty solid um but he feels like he's destined for that starting lineup in chicago and i cannot m- imagine that dallas keichel is going to get in his way come 2022 whenever the season does start um i don't know why they would hold him back any longer um and he showed flashes of brilliance his stuff is really really good uh but yeah there's not really a whole lot to it other than that i just think that it's a matter of stretching him out getting him conditioned so he can actually be a starter who has a full workload over time it's probably not going to be this coming season but i think in like 2023 he could pitch 140 150 innings so also we we have so many uh fun twitter follows in chicago and i just want to see them happy facts <laughs> that is facts yes we have a lot of mutuals like, that are 
Janice and Keelan and Crystal. Yes, exactly. New picture with Saffir Crystal. Let's yes. not forget. Shout out. Our staff just keeps getting better and better. Oh, yeah. We have tons of new staffers. That was a thing that happened since our last episode, too. Yeah, we yeah, got some good. Honestly, we got some good ones, y'all. We got we got some really really you, good ones. If you are as incredibly online as we are, uh, especially on Twitter, you probably saw a bunch of tweets as people joined the staff and uh, you know made made it known that they were were joining the team. But yeah, we got so much new talent. We're really a great diverse set of voices. I'm really excited for them to start producing content for us. It's been fantastic. We got obviously we have Crystal. Like I said, we also have uh cheryl ring who is fantastic yes. joining us on our writing staff we have pat ellington joining the podcast team so he's right there with us which is fantastic he just did a interview with tanaj thomas i believe yep yeah and it, it was really 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 good um God, yeah there's we, we've had a ton of great additions to our staff and it's really really exciting but yeah Ugh. So um, I, I actually would would like to specifically call out pat's podcast the red black green baseball podcast yes. Please make sure Absolutely you go worth listening. Please make sure you go like subscribe to that. Um, first episode went up. I think it was around a week ago at this point, right? Officially, uh, yes, yeah. So be sure to go check out his pod. Um, and then follow him on Twitter as well. He's Tangible Uno on Twitter. You should be able to find him there. And then obviously, I actually I think what we'll do is we'll probably try to, if we can, um, get as many of the new staffers that we can remember um we'll get their twitter bios in our show notes so that way you can follow them and give them Good some call. love too yeah um but yeah okay continuing let's talk about our minor league players schwebzy so we have for you next brett Beatty, which is i mean you and i talking about mets and brewers players just kind of makes sense so what, what do you got to say about brett Beatty here so brett Beatty, when when drafted the uh i don't want to call it a knock but the concern about him was that he was an older high school player so we weren't sure that he was going to translate his skills were going to translate well once he faced more age-appropriate competition and his prospect outlook was always going to depend on what his game action looked like and then the pandemic hit right after he got drafted yep so it was a long time in between draft and uh minor league games before we could actually get a good read on what his skills were like and in 2021 we got to see and oh boy i am so excited about what brett Beatty did in the minors this year Uh, and he carried that over to a really nice fall league performance where the power wasn't really there but i swear every single day of the arizona fall league i saw videos on my twitter timeline of people just like listen to the sound off of Brett Beatty's bat, and I was like, "Yes, injected into my veins." Loud contact, baby. Yes, so loud. Uh, the strikeouts in the AFL were a little bit concerning, but uh, in Double A, they weren't. the The strikeout numbers weren't bad, so I'm not too too concerned. I'm really excited to see what Brett Beatty can do. Uh, and this is uh, if you were to draft Brett Beatty in Dynasty this year, you probably would not see any benefits until, I don't know, 2023 at the absolute earliest. I think even that would be a little bit aggressive. Uh, but yeah, I, I love Brett Beatty's long term outlook. So uh, Fangraphs kind of did a stealth update to their prospect rankings, I think, uh, in advance of their team by team previews. And they had Beatty at 14. Oh, dang. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's real good. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about him. There's a lot to be excited about uh, in New York right now for the Mets fans. I'm glad that you have things to be excited about and things how, are moving how, in a positive direction. I don't know what to do with my hands. What do I, <laughs> I, I don't know how to react to excitement. Uh, okay. I, now I get my turn to talk about a Brewers prospect that has been raking. Um, I want to talk about Joey Weimer. Uh, so this is a dude that he had a really wonky, like loud swing, like really high leg kick, a lot of movement in his hands when he would load up and everything like that. But he's toned everything down quite a bit and he's got a really, really great power speed combo. So in 2021, Shrubsy, just off the top of your head, if you had to guess what kind of year, uh, Joey Weimer had, what, what do you think? Like just for like a season long stats, we'll say 470 plate appearances. Man, I am going to be honest with you here. I have never heard of Joey Weimer. Oh, baby, I love this. Should I, I have heard? Is, is he a top guy? I have never heard of him. So, okay, between A and high A last year, Joey Weimer over 472 played appearances, had 27 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Oh, posted, we like that in posted, fantasy. Posted walk rates above 10%, above 11% in uh, both A and high A, uh, with a K rate that's like just a pretty manageable like 22%. Right around there. Um, and hit like right around 300 split between the two. I mean, my boy, he, he is 6'5 and he is large. 30, he stole 30 bases. He is with an a athlete. 60 current, 70 future raw power grade. We like that. Yeah. yeah. So his power grade, like back when they originally graded him, it was like right around a 50, but it was graded at, for, well, that was his raw power. His, or sorry, his raw power was a 70, game power was a 50. So he's like very average, had yet to unlock it. And he's tapping into it now. Like he is. Yeah, he's look he's looking like an absurd, just like absolute monster. Like you said, he's tall, six four, six five, two hundred plus pounds, just built like crazy, really, really fast, great athlete. He's probably so he can play with his just like his, his speed and how good his arm is, because he's got a 70 grade arm. Like he, people think that he probably has the best arm in the minor leagues right now. Just period. Um he was throwing 98 off the mound. I think he went to Louisville. Um, so like he has the arm to pretty much play in any outfield position, but because of the routes that he takes to balls that are kind of wonky, sometimes he's probably going to be a right fielder or a left fielder. We can assume. Um, but that's the thing is like, I don't think Hunter Renfro is the solution in right field in, uh, in Milwaukee. I, I don't think he's going to be the long-term solution there. And I think that there's a possibility depending on how things progress that we could maybe see Weimer maybe not next year, but in 2023 as someone who comes up and he can be a 2020 guy, I think in the majors very, very easily with his skill set and with his just like how his like physical, like form and ability projects. Um, so I'm excited to see how, cause I'm assuming that he will get a double a assignment starting this year. And if he does well enough, we could maybe see him at the end of 2022. I think it's more likely we see him in 23, but Weimer yeah. is there's a lot to, there's a lot to be excited about like his wrc plus in a like in, in high a ball was 195 like he had a yeah, good year I, these <laughs> these numbers are silly um video game numbers so really 22 isn't young for high a but it's not like so old that it's alarming no because he played a full four years out yeah, of college right right so he was coming straight. He was he was a, he was a collegiate ball guy. Uh, again, he was, I think he was, he was like from a, Louisville. A, a tooled up uh, college bat with a lot of swing and miss. 
So yes. it's actually pretty impressive what he's done. Like the strikeout numbers aren't too outlandish in, in no, that's a high thing. A. Is his swing was really, really wild, but his discipline was better. Because like you see a guy that has a really loud swing like that, and you think, oh, he's probably swinging at everything. But no, he actually had very good discipline at the plate. Um, yeah, I am going to have to have him on my radar. Yes, so he's I'm sure definitely you someone. Won't, you won't let me not have him on my radar now. hundred oh, percent. No, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna remind you at every single juncture that I can that he exists. So, but yeah. Um, all right, and then for your last one here, we have another bad here, Josh Young. Yeah, so Josh Young uh, of the Texas Rangers. We thought he might see the majors this past year, but he had a major injury at the start of the year, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But what did happen is when he came back to the minors from that injury, he proceeded to just pick up where he left off and raked. Now, I don't love Texas's lineup this year, even with the addition of Semyon and so so uh, Beatty was a, more, a little bit. I I don't like to draft guys in fantasy in dynasty really who are more than like two or three years out, which I know might not be a uh, really in the spirit of dynasty, but I I just i don't draft like 17 year olds in fantasy um yeah so uh Beatty was for me a, a long-term outlook guy because he's a couple years away but uh young is really we're, we're looking at probably 2022 i'd be shocked if he didn't see major league time this year he was 23 in triple a and absolutely wrecked triple a last year to the tune of a 166 wrc plus uh at, you know after a 140 in double a so i'm I don't love the lineup this year, but it's much improved. So if Young comes up and hits near the top of the order, uh, if he hits near Seager and Semyon, I kind of like his outlook for this year as uh, he's a minor league guy, but could contribute immediately. And uh, we, you, you and I were talking earlier about third base uh, being kind of a weird position in that uh, there's basically J-Ram and then... Uh, there, you know, there's a few top tier guys, and then uh, a- after like a certain point, like the top like seven or eight third baseman, there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, a lot of guys who could be good, but we're not sure. And we can add Young to that list. Like he's he could wind up being like twelve team viable by the end of this year, if uh, if the minor league hitting translates. For sure. Yeah. I mean, like when when we talk about third base, I think it's for me personally, it's J Ram, and then literally everyone else. I don't think anyone touches him. Um but then it kind of gets murky right around like 10, like, like the 10, like the eighth to 10th third baseman off the board is like when it kind of just like, you can try to find yeah. value later and later in the draft. If you don't have one at that point, you could probably kind of just wait and just take like an upside pick. Um, but yeah, once you get past like Bregman yeah, and you're, then you're looking at Rendon and his injuries, LeMayu and his weird unproductive 2020. Yep. Sorry. 2021. Oh, yeah. Uh, Moncada, Moncada and his disappearing power, Cabrian Hayes and his wrist injury. Like, there's a, yeah. lot, a lot of question marks once you get past uh, number eight or so. Yeah, I know that we were talking about you had a long conversation with uh, Scott Chu about this at one point as well. Because um, we were talking about Heimer Condelario, I think, before. Yes. And that's kind of like someone who's like, he produced pretty well, but then, I mean, is it that flashy? Is it that good? I mean, and also you have Torque coming up right behind him, too at some point so how much playing time is he going to get down the line it's hard to say um but yeah third base is weird can't, man can't wait to draft justin turner in like the 15th round <laughs> again it seems like he and, always falls and he's just all he's just still like one of the best values wherever he's drafted 
just every single love, time. Love it. The the uh, Nelson Cruz of third baseman. Yes. Ugh. All right, and then our last one here for a minor leaguer. I'm going to talk about George Kirby from the Mariners farm system. So, um, it feels like everyone is so focused on like, oh, I'm excited to see what Logan Gilbert can do. He looked really good at the end of the year, and like, I want to see what he can do over a, over the course of a full season. Now that he's seemingly kind of like figured things out a little bit, but like, people seem to forget sometimes that Kirby has a full repertoire of pitches that all grade out as plus. And his command and control is like touted as the best in the minor leagues, if not one of the best. Um, I just think that 100% of the time I'd rather in a dynasty startup specifically, obviously, I would rather take George Kirby than Logan Gilbert. Um, Ooh, he has a really project. I like like, Gilbert. I mean, I know I, I'm not saying that Gilbert's bad by any means, but I, I'm just saying I would rather take and you look at them. They're actually like I, I looked at a few different um, dynasty rankings and they're pretty close in most of them they're like 10 20 30 picks apart which is like at that point it's like if you're reaching for someone that you really really want you're going to do it um mm-hmm. and they're they're close enough where i think it's like you can kind of like split hairs but i do think that just due to a higher floor and better command and control of his repertoire with all those plus pitches i really like kirby a lot more and he's got he's also got a projectable frame too because he's got a, he's like six four six five and he still can put on more muscle on that frame that they're saying so we can see him projecting because right now he sits like 94 95 with his fastball he could be hitting like and sitting like 96 97 if he can put on some more weight too so i don't know i feel like there's a lot there in terms of up just like a level of success because i mean it's very easy to find guys that have very good stuff but like the command and control just never really comes around but gilbert or sorry, excuse me, Kirby has a really repeatable delivery too, which really helps him out. And again, that command and control is a lot of people are like even saying like Shane Bieber level with just like a, a small bit of improvement. Um, so just like that comfortability with your entire arsenal kind of screams to maybe high floor. And then like at that point in a draft, if you can find someone like that who has so much upside and a really, really high floor, I think that I'm reaching for him. A hundred percent of the time, I would rather I would much rather have him, in my opinion, than uh, Logan Gilbert. Okay, but yeah, all right, all right. And we have one more mailbag question here. This one, I guess, is mostly just for you, Schwebzy. It's from our buddy Buster Cat. Uh, with pod favorite John Nagowski going to Atlanta in the Rule Five draft, what do you think the odds are he tears it up in a in a lonely league this coming year? Well, uh, with Freddie Freeman. Uh, in in my in my brain uh signing somewhere other than at the atlanta braves uh, sorry atlanta sometime this offseason uh i think john Nagowski is due for 700 plate appearances uh, in that lineup <laughs> and i we we know that he can hit for batting average and you know if he's if he's hitting you know in the lower part of that lineup behind guys like albies and riley definitely not freddie freeman uh and acuna <laughs> Uh, Nagowski could could put up some some counting numbers in in that uh, in that lineup. <laughs> you're saying, I couldn't. Your sarcasm is dripping. <laughs> I tried. Right now. I tried to get through it without breaking, and I, I couldn't. I, I know you did. Yeah, I, I really don't think uh, there's 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 no way that Freddie Freeman signs any signs anywhere but in Atlanta, right? Like, I mean, it feels uh, like no, it feels like so uh, could could wind up uh, in L.A. platooning with Albert Pujols. Absolutely not. That's a hard no. No, thank you. (laughs) 
No, I. Uh, if that happens, that it, I would just be. I would just cry. Honestly, it's weird that it's taken this long. How is he still a free agent? Well, there's a lockout happening. Yeah, it's it's weird in <laughs> baseball in general. No one is signed in weeks. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy, dog. Why why could that be? Who's to say? Um, man, baseball off season always slow. Uh, where's the stove? Hot. Why is it so cold? Hot stove, my butt. Yeah. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right. Uh, okay, we're gonna finish off this episode now. We've got. Oh, we're, at, we're almost at forty minutes. Okay, so we've got. Yeah, we have to do this quicker than I anticipated. No, it's fine. We're, I mean, these are pretty short ones. So we we want to do the twelve days of. What do we want to call this? Because just literally threw in random letters in here. Just stayed on the home row keys and just slapped them a whole bunch. So uh, the, the, tw- the twelve days of the twelve days of I think you suggested deeps miss, which I I was not I was I was I was medium on. I said the twelve uh, deeps of in the. How about the twelve days of pixmas? The 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 twelve twelve rounds of deep miss. The twelve rounds of yeah sure yeah we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll figure we'll workshop it as we go we'll figure it out anyway so basically what we did for this exercise is that we went from pick two hundred starting there and then. Did 10 pick ranges, so 200 to 209, 210 to 219. And Schwebzi and I each took turns picking one person from that range. So he took 200 to 209, I took 210 to 219, and so forth. And we picked one person in those ranges that we thought was like interesting that we wanted to just like speak on really quick, whether it was, yes, I think this is a good value, or uh, steer clear of this person. So starting from 200 to 209, Schwebs, take it away. Who'd you talk about here? So for this exercise, I kind of looked at guys in this range and I wanted to see if there was anybody that I felt was dramatically uh, valued incorrectly in either direction, either overvalued or undervalued. So this I almost functions as a bold take section for me. Uh, So I started with Brandon Crawford uh, and in my own personal rankings like brandon crawford is a firm do not draft i i think if you draft him expecting anything close to what what happened in 2021 you're going to be wildly disappointed and this is honestly historic because this is the first time that either of us on this podcast has ever said something negative about the san francisco giants uh uh it's weird that the entire team overperformed in uh Brandon Crawford is 35, historically never hit for much power, not a super good batting average guy in the past. 
he outperformed his X stats by so much. And I don't know if that's like Oracle Park weirdness, but I just don't think that in his age 36 season, he's going to continue this trend where all of a sudden he's an elite hitter. Like I, I just, if he hit 15 home runs and hit 260 next year, would anyone be surprised? No, like I'm not, I'm not wasting a draft pick on this. I'm, I'm, I mean, I guess he could do it again, but that would be, it would be more surprising to me if he repeated than if he crashed back down to earth. Still, still going to be a perfectly fine player. He's still going to be a perfectly cromulent shortstop, but he's not someone that I'm going to want in fantasy. Fair enough. I think, hmm. Hey, Schwabzee. What? Assuming that it's a full season. Assuming that it's a full season. That's all I want for Christmas. Do you? Do you yeah, that's true. Do you want to make this our first board bet? What, are you are you high on Brandon Crawford? I think that he hits 20 home runs again. 20? Yeah. I, I would be fine making that. Yeah, I, I'm fine how about with, this? with how making about this? that a board he, bet. How about this? If he hits, 50, if he hits uh, 15 or less, you win. Uh, 16 to 19 it's a push and then 20 or more I win because that's what you're saying here I see this in the notes you said 15 home runs tops that's, uh, that, yeah that's fine that's fair okay so I'm marking I'm this down that. board bet first one of 2022 let's go all right Brandon Crawford home runs all right cool got the note all right, so then the one that I want to talk about from 210 to 219, I decided there's a few interesting names here. I want to talk about Andrew Vaughn. He had a less than spectacular year, but we do know that the hit tool and the power is still there for him somewhere. It's locked in there. And I think that right now it basically says that, okay, it's going to be him and Gavin Sheets, who I also kind of like uh, in a sense, but really only against right-handed pitching. Um, are going to be a platoon split at DH for the White Sox. But I do think that Andrew Vaughn is going to get shoved in that lineup in like, playing in the outfield at some point again. And I think that if he ends up getting like 450 to 500 plate appearances, he will outproduce his value at 218. Right now, Steamer has him projected for 19 home runs and a 250 average over 467 plate appearances, but I genuinely think that he's going to hit over 25 home runs this year with a walk rate pushing 10% and a K rate under 20. I just think that his eye at the plate is better than he showed this year. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of my bold take for this range here. All right. So I I have a quick uh, either or question for you here. As soon as I have finished scrolling to the top of this uh, ADP list, let's go. Let's hear it, baby. All right. So number, number, 12 first baseman here is CJ Crown. Vaughn okay. or Crown? CJ Crown. All right. So we we are still talking like deeper league here, not a not like 12 team viable. Bro, what's the name of our podcast? Of course. That's that's fair. Of course. Yeah. Totally no. fair. Um but yeah, I would I would rather have CJ Crown over Andrew Vaughn 100% of the time. Um regardless of league, right, so, honestly. So Let's let's go a little further down to like number uh, Andrew Vaughn or Anthony Rizzo. Vaughn. Okay. Depends on so what the league he... is, I guess, because like uh, Rizzo has a decent like walk rate as well. But I think that Vaughn's play discipline is pretty good, and I think he's going to hit for a higher 
again, like his, I, I, like I said, I think his walk rate's going to be over 10% or right around 10%. And then his K rate's going to be less than 20. Cause that's kind of like historically kind of where he's been at. I, um, I, I think there's a decent chance that Rizzo is washed. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, that's kind of how I'm feeling too. I don't think that Rizzo is actually that good. Or he could just like make us both look like idiots this year because that's how baseball be he sometimes. Slight, he was so wildly consistent for so long, and then it just dropped off in 2020 and mm-hmm. didn't really recover this past year. Yeah, right for that short but, season, man. But yeah, so all right, uh, that was my pick from 210 to 219. From 220 to 229, Schwebzy, who did you pick here? All right, firstly, this 220 range might as well be like the in the deep range because the players in this range if you're a longtime listener you know we we loved sandoval uh Pat, patrick sandoval brandon belt is here cal quantrill frank schwindel waskar enoa bobby dalbeck tristan mckenzie like this is very us a uh, lot, lot of players we like in this range uh the and i i in the first time in my life i am opting not to talk about brandon belt for something but uh I'm just going to make a bold claim here, and I think that Bobby Dalbeck clears 35 home runs this year. 35, you say? 35. Ooh, baby, that's a, that, that's that's kind of a spicy take. I kind of like that Is one. It, so, how many how many players hit 35 home runs this year? Um, Find out. 19. Ooh, that's not very many, Schwebs. So, yeah, I think Bobby Dalbeck can be top 20 in home runs this year. You think he's gonna be top 20? Actually, I, I think I think it'll clear 35. Okay. Okay. Dang, I almost want to make that a board bet too and bet the under, but I don't think I I, I don't want to wish Bobby Dahlbeck uh, any ill will. So I'm I'm gonna steer clear of that. Well, so this past year he hit I think it was 24. I'm double checking this right now. He hit uh yeah, he hit 25 and he did it in 453 plate appearances. Do we think I mean, he, it's, do we think it's he gets bad enough plate appearances to just the, Huh? Do we think he gets enough plate appearances this year still? I think the I, I think as long as he keeps his strikeout rate under control, he will get full time plate appearances. All right, cool. I dig that. All right, excellent. Uh and then from two thirty to two thirty nine was my turn here. Uh this one was honestly like not great. I didn't re- like a lot of people in this one, but one name that I found very interesting, literally based off of a tweet that I saw, I think yesterday or the day before from Codify, was Anthony Santander. He hits the ball really, really hard, and that can lead to good things. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to lead to good things, but it can. Um, and this tweet that I saw could mean something or nothing at all, but he had the third most fall balls hit over 100 miles per hour in the league at 40. The two people well, ahead of him, which was Jose Ramirez and Nolan Arenado, and Nolan Arenado only had one more than him, had like 200 more plate appearances than Santander did. So he hits the ball with regu- he hits the ball hard with regularity, which is something that excites me. Um he's also penciled in as the three hitter currently according to fan graphs in Baltimore and should have ample opportunity to thrive. And I think that he's gonna hit 30 dingers next year, just based on how hard he can actually smack the ball. I can buy that. Yeah, so that's kind of my call out. I think that's some really good like cheap late power. And it's not gonna be a, like a really abysmal average to go along with it either. He'll probably hit like I don't know, 250 ish, I would say right around there. So I don't know. I'm excited about Anthony Santander and I'm going to buy in on him at that point if that's where he's going in drafts. Yeah. Like he's one of those guys that like if he ever wanted to be like a truly, truly like really valuable player, he would need to like start taking a walk or two. 
but uh it, it it's not when you're playing for baltimore it's not super important to be like a really good and valuable player to yeah. get full-time plate appearances Oh yeah, and we're talking fantasy baseball, not real baseball too. Yeah, which is a nice thing. So if you're in it, if it's, if it's an OBP league, then less less good, sure. Oh, but like yeah, if it's like batting don't. average, you're fine taking this because he's not that far below league average, or he's right around there, where you're not going to be hurt too much by that. Especially if you're just looking for some power late in a draft, I think that he's going to contribute there. So yeah. All right. All right uh, so the uh, two forty to two forty nine range. Uh, my bold take here is that I, I think this time next year, Seiya Suzuki, his ADP is at least 100 spots higher and gets him into the top 150. Uh, his his max pick uh, as per NFC is already over 150. So some someone out there already is valuing him in that range. I think uh, by this time next year, everyone will be. I he if. If we do board bets again for like rookie of the year, mm-hmm. uh, he I think he's going to wind up being my pick for AL or NL rookie of the year, whichever league he winds up in, maybe depending on ballpark, maybe. But uh, I love the plate approach. He's in the prime of his athletic life. Uh, and uh, for our listeners, if you want to learn more about Seiya Suzuki, I would refer you guys over to Prospects Live, where Tom Musa wrote up a fantastic feature on Suzuki. And uh it will probably help you like better better value him in the uh, off season or or you know figure out where to land on him and be high or low. I have landed on the high side. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Suzuki can do. I actually kind of hoped that he might wind up in Milwaukee. If he, I mean, Although, if he did, that would be incredible. He's not going to anymore after that Renfro no, trade, obviously. No. But like, yep. I mean, that's yeah, that's wishful thinking. I think that he actually ends up in Boston. Ooh. As, as if, the Renfro well, replacement. Well, if, if I remember correctly, that was the only team that he followed on Instagram. Being a righty in Fenway is, can, can be nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, but I mean, I, I agree with this one. I think Seiya Suzuki was the most interesting name from this stretch. Again, 240 to 249. Um, and as far as someone who, I mean, is probably the most fun lottery ticket that you can try to cash in on. He's probably the one in that stretch, so I'm down for that too. Also, if it is at all an opportunity, I am absolutely going to steal him as my pick for rookie of the year, <laughs> just to spite you. <laughs> it's fair. Oh, hey, that's oh, totally fair. You know what? All this Red Sox talk really good segue into the 250 to 259 range, where I want to talk about Garrett Whitlock. So, saves are something that I pretty much perennially am very, very bad at getting, and Garrett Whitlock is going at exactly 250 right now, so he barely snuck in there for me. Um, he was pretty lights out last year, honestly. Like good ratios. He was particularly good in the playoffs against the Rays at the end of the year in the AL. Uh, was it the DS? Yes. Um, yeah. The potential for him to snag the closer role in Boston, depending on how they want to deploy him, is there. Um. And he's currently penciled in as their closer on Fangrass. I mean, that's not written in stone by any means, but it's at least a good uh, place to start. Um, and with the year he had compared to like Matt Barnes, it was hard to disagree with like slotting him in there. And at 250, like a guy with good ratios who's going to give me some saves, hopefully, or at least be in the conversation for it or be the next guy in line is fine with me, especially if I'm in my deeper leagues. So happy to take Garrett Whitlock at that point. I I, one, I I worry a little bit that he might be like deployed like Andrew Miller 
instead of like Josh Hader, you know, to, to use two former starters turned relievers as examples. Well, what's so bad about him being deployed? Like, well, I guess not more so recently, but like saves. in previous Josh Hader where they, they right. would have I'm him thinking, come in to do like multi-inning save appearances. Cause I mean, most, right. a lot of, a lot of his outings were multi-inning appearances. He was a fireman. Yeah. Right. So like for, for a little bit there, I'm thinking, I'm thinking more Cleveland era, Andrew Miller when uh mm-hmm. when he wasn't closing when he was the fireman and kind of was like his own role and then uh i'm thinking modern josh hater yeah i could hear that so, yeah because i what whitlock was fantastic in in the role he was in last year and i wonder if they'll want to mess with that but i do love the skills yeah i mean at the very least even if he doesn't get that role like depending on what kind of league you're in obviously like a 250 that's still i mean i mean i think of like my auto new league that i'm in like you have five relief pitcher spots you're not going to have all closers in those roles just like having someone who's putting up good ratios and is reliable and getting like a decent amount of innings that can like kind of offset like maybe like you needed strikeouts really bad and you have a reliever who gets high k numbers but also has a really crappy era or something like that or a really bad whip at least he's not going to hurt you terribly there so and um when it comes to relievers drafting for skills is also not the worst strategy true very very true all right um all right 260 to 269 schwebs we got uh andres jimenez it looks like yes uh it's in, in the deep old friend alert hey and it dofa it dofa and it dofa it dofa uh yeah uh so uh i have so uh, you you know that I collect baseball cards. Fun thing about this past year is that uh, Andres Jimenez was traded in the off season. Yes, but cards cards get printed too early to make changes based on things like that. So I have in collecting Mets cards in general, I have wound up with so many Andres Jimenez autographs, and that doesn't shade my opinion of him at all. Uh, I, I want I want him to succeed very badly, but uh, I. My opinion is lower of him now than it was a year ago because uh, coming off the 2020 season, he looked like he had just enough bat to be good in the majors. But now I'm kind of just hoping that his defense can carry him to a, a reasonable amount of plate appearances because the defense is there. The defense is great. And he has shown not just a willingness to run, but like the willingness to run a lot like he if he gets anything like 500 plate appearances i think he's going to steal 30 plus bags and only six players stole 30 bags this year and not many like the the guys that stole 30 plus bags were like tommy edmund miles straw uh starling Marte. none of these guys hit more than like 12 home runs and that's about what i think jimenez would hit in uh full-time plate appearances so i mean jimenez even though he's not that good of a hitter could still wind up being a really valuable fantasy guy if he gets plate appearances and at this moment he's penciled in to be the second baseman for the cleveland guardians so if that holds then i would be drafting andres jimenez i wish i could quit you i wish i could (laughs) uh yeah, stolen bases are always a big thing. Like I said, saves and stolen bases are the bane of my existence when it comes to like five by five leagues, and I'm always so bad at like keying <laughs> in on act- them. I love actively drafting players who I don't like because they produce a specific statistic. Yeah, 
Exactly. So with that in mind, I mean, guys like Jimenez, if they can pitch in in that regard, fantastic. Love to have that uh, sitting on my bench so I can slot them in like when I need guys to fill in when folks get hurt, days off, stuff like that. So um, I also still like Andres Jimenez and I hope that he gets a decent amount of run at second base because it's him and Rosario or is Rosario still in the outfield or is he back to playing shortstop now? So roster resource currently has it penciled in as Rosario at short and Jimenez at second. Yeah, but I do think they should flip that if they want a better defensive mm-hmm. alignment. OK, OK. Yeah, either way, they're going to be playing together in that middle infield, which is good. Um, And uh, I mean, while we're talking about him, Rosario also. Pretty good for stolen bases, too. They, they have a lot of really good folks to run on that team. Rosario is interesting because he's always had the speed. Yeah, but his intent has really really waxed and waned like every now and then he just seems like okay i'm gonna run now and then the rest of the time he doesn't seem to uh have the uh the just desire to do it or the team isn't planning for him to do it yeah and then you also have like i mean you also have like bradley zimmer on that team that can also probably steal some bases too it feels like there's so much speed on that team not on thinking about it Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool that'll be fun to watch this coming year Keen on the Cle- actually yeah just say that now uh Keen on the Cleveland Guardians if you need stolen base help it feels like there's a yeah, lot of really really good values there um all right from 270 to 279 it was my turn and I chose Julio Rodriguez and all I really have to say about him is that it's time like he hit 362 over 200 plate appearances in Double A last year and there's really like with the moves that they made before the lockout began there's no reason that the Mariners should wait on calling him up as soon as they can to get him big league reps. Um, if they're trying to win now, he should be there to help them do that. And that's really like, honestly, all I have to say about it, even if it's just a stash at the beginning of the year and he's not actually with the big league squad right away, I don't expect him to be necessarily, but I would happily stash him on my bench. Um, this one's going to depend heavily on how the CBA negotiations go, right? Yes. With, with service correct. time. Correct. Absolutely. Which that might be one of the biggest bugaboos this entire thing for all we know, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I really hope that he does get called up sooner rather than later. And I don't see why they wouldn't want to, cause his bat is clearly good. Um, but yeah, I, th- that's literally all I have to say about it. Honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen some pictures of him on social media lately and my God, the guy is ripped. <laughs> Yeah, he is a he is a physical specimen to say the least, for sure. Um let's see here. Who else do we got here? We're at what, two eighty to two eighty nine now, right? Yes. Yeah. Not not gonna go too deep into this one. I just think that John Gray is going to continue being John Gray, put up an ERA over four point two five, and we will all be wondering why we wanted our teams to sign him uh after this year. <laughs> All right, and then moving on to 290 to 299, I want to talk about just very quickly Lou Trevino. I mean, this is a guy who's like woefully unexciting when it comes to like strikeouts per nine, but right now he is the clear favorite in a less than stellar A's bullpen to get the save opportunities, and he had 20 plus last year. So if that's still the case this year and he's the clear cut favorite, I'm happy to nab that value at pick 293 where he was sitting, uh, according to our ADP information so happy to do that uh and then from 300 to 309 schwebzy uh, is beating a drum that he has beaten many a time <laughs> another player i wish i could quit <laughs> uh jeff mcneil uh 
I don't I don't know if this is bold or not, uh, because after last year, it feels bold. But if I said this a year ago, it would just be like, OK, uh, I think he's going to hit 300 again. And I think we are all going to forget about the weird 2021 season where every single Met underperformed for strange and various reasons. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, for, your, the, the for, weird... for your mental health, I certainly hope so. <laughs> like it was such a like, do you remember the brawl? Not brawl, but like when Lindor like shoved McNeil against a wall in, in the clubhouse because the, the... like. The rat, McNeil the was rat rebelling. Coon. The yeah, rat the raccoon. Uh, McNeil it was apparently rebelling against the coaching staff wanting him to shift, and Lindor had had enough. Like, just what a weird year. Like, yeah. how, you feel like you never hear about that kind of thing. Yeah, um, there was some dysfunction that needed to be dealt with pretty badly. I, I can't say I've ever heard of a player like being against the coaches shifting them. Yeah, I can't say I understand I, that either. Like maybe maybe if you're a Francisco Lindor and you're like an otherworldly defensive player and you ha- like have that weight to say like yeah no nah, I belong over here but mm-hmm. like from a from like a, a effectively a utility guy so so strange yeah really really strange I don't but, know uh, what we got one more range so why don't you send us out all right so we got three ten to three nineteen and I chose in this one I mean there wasn't a ton of interesting names so I just went with the homer pick which is very very easy for me to do and that's Devin Williams um from what we've seen from him the ratios are always going to be pretty stellar in terms of like K per nine things like that and he's probably gonna get you some holds here and there and there's still always the outside shot that the Brewers end up trading away Josh Hader in a package that leaves Williams with the closing role so I mean, again, at the very least, the holds and K per nine rates are going to be there with relative consistency. As long as he can stay healthy, there are some health concerns there. Uh, Sands punching a wall. Um, But Devin Williams has some of the most electric stuff in that bullpen, and he's the clear cut favorite if they're going to need a closer if Hader goes down or is traded away. So happy to take Devin Williams here. Um, But yeah. I think that's it. Didn't didn't he punch the wall and break his hand after a win? Yes, he he said that he because he came out and just like explained the whole thing is that he was drinking, got upset about something while he was drunk and then punched the wall then. And it was after a win Oof. Like he he had, I, I can't remember if it was after they clinched. It might have been that same night that they clinched the uh, central. That he was celebrating and did it. I can't remember exactly, though, but yeah. Well, that that uh, that might be a fair because I you you hear all the time about people you know punching uh, like Enoa punch punch the bench after a rough outing and broke yes. his hand and that you you usually hear about those like oh the guy kicked the wall and broke his toe exactly but might be the first time I've ever heard of someone doing that after a dub but uh, yeah strange indeed strange indeed all right uh, I think that's gonna be it for this week's episode of In the Deep thank you all for joining us once again we appreciate it um. If you like the podcast, make sure to go and find us on whatever platform you listen on, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, Amazon podcast, Google podcast, whatever it may be. Leave us a review and a five star uh, rating and everything like that. Let us know that you like the show Uh, once again to uh, promote the mailbag. We do have a mailbag. You can find that in our pinned tweet on our Twitter account. That Twitter account, again, is in the deep PL at gmail.com or sorry, in the deep PL. And you can also contact Schwebzy and I both on Twitter and follow us there at Bunt Singles for myself and at Schwebzy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I. Uh, and with that, I think we're going to send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.